Hey, Macrodosing listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. You know how I get ready for St. Paddy's Day? It's all about St. Practice Day because practice makes proper. Proper number 12 Irish whiskey is a rich and smooth blend of golden grain and single malt, aged four years in bourbon barrels. Or try Irish Apple a delicious blend of Proper's award-winning Irish whiskey with crisp and fresh notes of Irish apple. Join me for a proper St. Paddy's Day and find yourself some Proper Number 12 Irish whiskey. Pour the roar. Let me ask you this. So why does he have a house and you don't? Is there a pay discrepancy? Does he no, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, we don't yeah. need to talk about that. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, one last, thank you for joining us. Nice <laughs> girl. It was fantastic having you on the show today. <laughs> you know how i get ready for saint patty's day it's all about saint practice day because practice makes proper proper number 12 irish whiskey is a rich and smooth blend of golden grain and single malt aged four years in bourbon barrels or try irish apple a delicious blend of Proper's award-winning Irish whiskey with crisp and fresh notes of Irish apple. Join me for a proper St. Paddy's Day and find yourself some proper number 12 Irish whiskey. Pour the roar. And now here's Nitro. All right. We now welcome on a very, very, very special guest. I'm a big fan of you, by the way. It is, it is Dan Clark. It is Nitro. Nitro from American Gladiators. The original American Gladiators, maybe one of the best television shows ever created. I used to sit and watch this with my grandparents for hours on end. Like it was appointment television. I loved this show. You were a superstar on it. Let's start there. The name Nitro kicks ass. There's there's no other way to describe it. You have a kick-ass name. How did you come up with the name Nitro? Well, first let me say thank you for, you know, being a fan for all these years and uh keeping the American gladiators alive because it certainly found a, a place in pop culture. You know, when I, I was doing the show, you know, I was just a guy who was 23 years old who got cut from a football team who was looking for a way to make a living. I never thought putting on those tidy whities that I would ever, you know, be, you know, change the face of TV usher in a new era of reality TV and become this, uh, Captain Kirk, you know, pop culture icon, you know, for your your generation. So I, I'm really appreciated to, you know, the whole team there for having me on. And Nitro. So I wasn't named Nitro in the beginning. I, I We had this first audition in this park, like in Van Nuys at that time, no less. That's like being on Six Mile in Detroit. It's not a good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're looking for actors who are good in front of the camera. You know, and I was like, wasn't much of an actor or athletes are good in front of the camera. I was a good athlete. I, I felt like I had a certain something, you know, I think like we all do. That's why you're in this media. You think you got something, a je ne sais quoi. So when I went on this audition at this park, they had these people who were actors. They had no right to be there as an athlete. I remember specifically like one guy was doing sit-ups the old way where a guy was sitting on his feet and each time he'd come up the guy would give him a bite of a sandwich <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> like what the hell is this guy doing here so 
I almost left. Then, you know, a girl grabbed me and said, hey, 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 you know, we, we want you to stay because there were so many people there trying out, but nobody looked like an athlete. And I, I needed to make money to support my two-year-old son, Tyler. So I went through the drills like she asked me to. You know, it's pretty easy. It's just, you know, cones and regular football drills. And then <laughs> she said, we want you to go on camera, <clears throat> excuse me, and we want you to pick one of these three characters, and we want you to answer these questions in character. So the first one was Gemini, you know, loud, explosive, kick your ass and then say, can we eat quiche? The second was Malibu, you know, uh, bro, the wave, surfer guy, you know, all that. The third one was Evander, loud, explosive, cocky, arrogant. So the original name for this character that, you, you know, you, it, was, it was Evander. So after all these different auditions, which was, you know, the, the first, the last audition story, I mean, crazy story. I knock a guy out. You know, I think they're going to fire me, but we can talk about more of that if you want uh, later. So <clears throat> as we got to doing the show and they started making our uniforms and stuff, and I was like, you know, to the, I just don't think a Vander fits this guy, you know, nitro, that's explosive, that's loud, that's cocky. And they're like, great idea. We own the trademark. <laughs> great idea we're gonna go own the trademark but yeah uh, yeah so, so that's how the name came about it's a great name it really is and and american gladiators if you haven't watched it i highly recommend you watch some of the old clips on youtube wherever you can find them there's also uh a documentary coming out muscles and mayhem unauthorized story of american gladiators comes out june 28th on netflix it's got some behind the scenes stuff. It chronicles the, the rise and fall of American Gladiators. I'm I'm beyond excited to watch that. Nitro is a perfect name that does fit in with everything you guys had going on because it was kind of like WWE or it was like professional wrestling meets the Olympics. Um meets just like dog fights kind of. It was it was insane. <laughs> it was such a great TV show. I I can't stress that enough. And you're a legend. I remember you were good at at the ring event, right? where uh, you'd have to try to like use the Olympic like gymnastics rings to get past Nitro, and you couldn't get past Nitro on those rings. Well, I, you know, PFT, uh, humbly, I like to think I was good at all the shit. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? I was good at all the shit, and, and I think I was really good with, you know, bringing that attitude, you know, that character, that, you know, I, uh, uh, that, that to the camera. I think that's why Nitro if he is remembered is why he's remembered you know the first couple of seasons it was all character character you know they wanted us to have these wrestling personas but it didn't really fit with the fact that this show was balls to the wall punch you in the face real competition yeah so they toned down on the characters a little bit after the disastrous first 13 episodes of gladiators if you go look if you watch it on youtube it's 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 a crack up so they, they toned that down but i always kept a little bit of that character like you know i think i modeled it after i, I met oh, some big agent he said the key to being a star a movie star in hollywood is you got to be the guy that the girls want to bang uh, that's probably not peter that's probably no, not you can say that yeah no, that's fine yeah you got to be the dude that the girls want to be intimate with <laughs> this yeah. is the this is the woke version <laughs> and also the gentleman will think you are cool to hang out with so that was the key. So I wanted to be this guy that was, you know, kind of brash that maybe girls would like, but that dude thought that dude's kind of cool. He'd want to hang out with. So I kept that character. And, you know, I think where the, <laughs> I remember I was just watching it for, for this, uh, 
a docu-series, Muscles and Mayhem, on Netflix, and I had to watch a bunch of old clips, and one of my favorite lines was, like, a little guy beat me, and I just was like, not bad for a little man. <laughs> just <Yeah>. cheesy, <laughs> just yeah. che- cheesy stuff like that. But, you know, the docu-series over at Netflix, uh, which comes out on June 20th, as you said, I am so excited about that, uh, BFT and Billy. So mm. it co- it's based upon a book that I wrote 10 years ago called Gladiator, A True Story of Roy's Rage Redemption. And, you know, it was just something where I wanted to tell my story. Not really the story of the American gladiators, but I wanted to t- tell a story about a, uh, a a guy who felt like a nothing, who was, you know, whose older brother died in his arms, who was lost in his life when he was 10 years old. And through sports and athletics, he finds a place to belong. And when that dream looks like it's gone because of an injury, uh, my first year of JUCO, uh, junior college football, um, I met this guy in the gym, and uh, this guy was huge. So when I say my dream was gone, with that injury, I saw any shot of getting a scholarship disappear. And I met this guy that was huge, and this was probably 82. And uh, I just said, dude, you look, you're you big. Dude, you look amazing. And, he, and I said, what do you do? And he said, uh, I take steroids. This was 1982. It's not like it is yeah. today. You know, it wasn't in the zeitgeist. And I'm a 17-year-old kid. And, and I was like, what the hell are steroids? What is that? And, you know, he says, look, they help you recuperate. They make you bigger. They make you stronger. And I said, uh, you know, that uh, sounds too good to be true. I said, are they safe? And he said, yeah, you know, I go to a doctor. Uh, uh, you know, so they have to be safe. Um, and I said, sign me up. So I go to the doctor, you know, like the next weekend, I go to see this doctor and in, in, in one of the very first steroid doctors in America, Dr. Kerr in San Gabriel Valley, California. And he says, you're not 18. I can't prescribe these for you. And I was like, so devastated. Again, you know, this wasn't the time where, you know, the bonds and Conseco, they, they weren't even illegal in the country. So, so I waited till my 18th birthday. And on my 18th birthday, my dad gave me $172 to go see this doctor. And I went and saw Dr. Kerr and he said, okay, great. Here's how we're going to treat you. And he opened up this, you know, like this cabinet it had all these vials. And it was like, there was like this, oh, you know, moment, you know? And, and I, I said, sign me up. And I remember it was so interesting at that time. I wasn't worried about the dangers of steroids. I was worried that they weren't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I, my, I wouldn't have a chance at recuperating fast enough. So anyways, out of that book, I told this personal journey about a kid waiting to be seen, trying to overcome his, the loss of his older brother, his hero. And he goes to find fame and, and finally gets fame, which I did. You know, we, we were pretty famous back at the day. And it was really strange, guys, because I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but, you know, I had everything I wanted. You know, I was on billboards. I sold out Madison Square Garden. You know, I mm-hmm. there were there were plenty of opportunities um, with women, but I wasn't happy. I was waking up on the floor. I was, you know, just high out of my mind on too many mornings, spit dribbling out of my face, yeah, you know, my mouth, and I was just crying. You know, here I am, a star in this big show, and I'm waking up crying too many mornings. So that was the time. You know, I had to you know, raise my hand as a big, strong man in the early 90s when it wasn't, you know, the cool thing to do. And I just said, I need fucking help, man. I need help. And I started a therapy and, and getting that mental health. So the journey of that book is the basis 
for the docu-series. So I'm excited because it goes much deeper, not as deep as I want, than, hey, these guys ran around in spandex. Wasn't it cool? Did mm -hmm. they shave their legs? So it's a much deeper thing. But it's the, the director was um, two directors, Jared Hess from Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. You know, are you guys familiar with him? Uh-huh. At Nacho Libra, the Shanghai yep. Knights, a fabulously, fabulously funny director. And we also got another guy who, who maybe he did a really great film. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was a smaller film. It was called, his name is Tony Vianuku, and it was In Football We Trust. And it won an Emmy. And it was about the Polynesian community in Utah. Did you see it? I haven't seen it, but, but I know that this is a movie that Billy would absolutely love. That's why I'm yeah. nodding. I'm, I'm just thinking about Billy's face watching it for the first time, and I'm excited already. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, football we trust is about the Polynesian community and how in Utah and how football has became their way to a better life and the pressures it puts on it. It's it's a fabulous movie. So when we were out looking for directors, you know, Jared was obviously on the list because he's freaking fantastic and he's funny and and Gladiators has a sense of levity to it, even though it was a serious competition. And then when we were talking to Jared, he said, "Look, I got this other guy, Tony. I want to do this with." You know, I think it would be a nice combination of, you know, Napoleon Dynamite funny with uh, his touch at dramatic, um, dramatic uh, filmmaking. So it's really funny. It's good. Uh, the thing that threw me the most about it is when Jared Hess said, we want to animate portions of it. You know, we want to animate it. And I was like, animate? And I said, look, here's a rule. You can laugh with the gladiators and I'm okay with that, but you can never laugh at us. Yeah. You know, yeah, right? And then um, he shows me a, a, a frame uh, of the, and he said, we want to do this uh, 90s He-Man style, like, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. And so he shows me a frame of it, which tied into a funny story I had told to him that we tell in the documentary is where uh, I went out with, um, there was a female glider named Zap, Ray Holland. She was like the first woman of muscle. I mean, she's like thick like a dude, but pretty like a girl. It's really confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when, when you look at her, you're like, I don't know if I want to have sex with her or I don't know if I want to wrestle her. <laughs> I, that's, yeah, I was I was becoming a man at that point in my life, and I was very confused when I was watching it. I was like, this is this is all the emotions I'm getting right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so I tell him this, this funny story. I said, I remember I went to, when I went on a we went on a promotional thing. It was one of our mm -hmm. first things. And Ray Hollett Zap had just come off of a big movie, Skin Deep, with John Ritter, where she has this funny scene where she starts posing like by his bedside, and he's under the covers, you know, biting his nails. He's mm -hmm. scared, and and she says, "I train three hundred sixty-five days a week." Blah blah blah. And she says, "How do you feel?" And he's like shivering. He's like, "Like Mrs. Arnold Schwarzenegger." And it's a great <laughs> thing. So to me, she was a movie star, and I was I was quite smitten. And and um, so we went and did a promotional thing, and we had a couple of drinks, and we're going back to my uh, little apartment. And she gets out of the car, and and I get out of the car, and we're going to the house. And I said, "Hey," and I don't know why I asked this. I don't know if you guys ever do this. I say, "Hey, do you want a piggyback ride into the house? Do you guys ever ask your dates that?" That's smooth. Yeah, no, that's a smooth move right there. Mm. Yeah, what, what do you think, uh, Billy? Do you ever ask? Like, I don't even know what I was saying. I was twenty three years old. Hey, well, babe, as, you want a piggyback a ride? As a 24-year-old, I wouldn't say I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you think about it. It's it's you break that physical touch barrier, right? Yeah. Now she's got her legs wrapped around you. Yep. Her crotch I'll, is touching you. Not the, you know, like it, you're, yeah. you're 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 slowly breaking that wall down. Absolutely. You can decide right. the destination, uh, both of you. 
Right. So, uh, so I've got, I'm 240 pounds, you know, I'm, you know, I'm huge at, you know, pretty huge at that time and strong. So she wraps her legs around my waist. We're walking up the sidewalk and she says to me, she says, whispers in my ear, she says, do you want to see how strong I am? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So Ray starts to squeeze her legs. And the next thing I know, I feel like the life <laughs> squeezing out of me. You know, mm -hmm. I start to go black. I start to like, pat, and I'm embarrassed. I'm like struggling, taking these steps forward. And eventually she squeezes so tight, she drops me to my knees. I'm mm -hmm. on my knees, like, and drop to my ground. And, and I, I mean, how would you guys react to that? Uh, yeah, I need mouth to mouth, like stat. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what you got to ask for. Uh, Zap was, she was a piece of work. You are, you are absolutely right. Uh, go Google Zap right now. Yeah. So she, she, um, oh, so she, she drops me to my knees. Um, and I remember I got up and I, I, it just changed me, you know, changed my whole identity as a man. And I just said, um, you know, I, I got up and it scared me actually. And I just got up and I shook her hand and I said, we're going to be good friends, you know, <laughs> and, and that we, we, we were friends. I, you know, uh, we've been great friends ever since then. Um, but the reason I bring up that long story was because Jared Hess knew that story. And he said, okay, you know, when she squeezes your waist, you remember Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall where his eyes bulged? You got, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you guys remember On that? Mars, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the clip he showed me uh, of, the, of the animation mm -hmm. where she's squeezing my waist and my eyes are bulging out. And I was like, oh, dude, that's funny. That's genius. So the docuseries will have funny moments like that, as well as all the other stuff that you guys uh, – will love i think the best compliment we got from a reviewer because it just it, it it's nobody's really seen it and he said you know what i love the show growing up but after watching the docuseries he goes i love it even more yeah so we knew we'd, we knew we did something great so i can't wait for you guys to see it it's, I know, I, i'm pumped i've been just watching clips because you know it was a little before my time as i said i'm 24 so like i saw some of the reboots growing up but i've just been watching tons of clips of the original and i'm so pumped to watch this uh you, you're only 24 time. you're only 24 only 24 you talk like a man though i appreciate like that yeah, you sound like a man. You look like a man. I didn't know you were just like a like a <laughs> wee sprout young guy. <laughs> hey, no, I mean this is really Billy. Billy would have been a great American Gladiator. I think he's got. He would have been like the Malibu type. You know, like bro. He, he would just bro you out. Need uh, a little more juice. A little more juice. <laughs> Billy is actually. Billy has dabbled in. Um, how would you put it, Billy? Like uh, body no. modification. <laughs> biohacking <laughs> biohacking biohacking so i'm sure he's got a bunch of questions for you about the various biohacking that that you've done in your past when you were at your largest um so billy i'll let uh, you take the floor and any science related I, questions go I, for I, it I, yeah i still biohack so there you <laughs> go yeah so this is ama with nitro dan nitro clark and billy ask me well, anything billy bro. respects people with large body mass he just respects <laughs> big strong people so i'm sure he's got a million questions it, for you on that front well it's the whole uh, aspect of discipline, it takes a lot of work to get to that point. Listen up, guys. We've all accomplished things we never thought we could. Running your first 5K on no sleep, learning a new language you'll never use, and winning that college basketball bracket challenge, even if it was auto-picked. So why not add cutting your own hair to the list? Wall makes hair clippers that keep you looking your best. And hey, if a winning bracket just isn't in the cards for you this year, at least you'll have a winning look. Get your wall hair clippers at wallusa.com. Wall. 
You got this. Um, I was just wondering, Arnold Schwarzenegger recently revealed his cycle when he was uh, really at his, the peak of his uh, uh, bot, uh, powerlifting days, bodybuilding. And he said he was only doing 100 milligrams of testosterone a week and then 15 milligrams a day of Dianabol. So comparatively to like what of a lot of guys are running today, that's pretty minimal. Do you believe that? Like what was what was guys back then using? And you know, I'm I'm not saying uh like, you know, but do you think that is a realistic uh cycle he said he was doing? Oh boy. So uh I know that Kerr started me on two hundred milligrams of testosterone sipinate a week when I was 18 years old and he did start, he started me on two Dianabol hmm. and he said, look, when you stop getting the benefits from the benefits from this, you're not getting that explosive growth that you want. He said, come back and see me again. So now, you know, young guy, 18, I wanted explosive growth and my buddy at the gym who was huge was kind of my, you know, steroid mentor. And he just said, Hey, after six weeks, just go back to him and tell him you're not getting gains. So I went back to him uh, about six weeks later, and then he upped it to four Dianabol a day. I can't remember how many milligrams, maybe five milligrams. This was 25, 30 years ago. And I got really consistent gains. And then about three months into it, my buddy nudged me again and said, hey, look, go, go ask him for something else. I'm taking Anadrol. I think it was called Anadrol 50, another oral. And it's stronger than Dianabol. So I went back and I asked him for that. So I think it might have been a starting dose for him. You know, uh, again, it's hard for me to speak for him, but I don't think being his size, that's all he could have taken. Maybe that was his intro dose. I do have friends um, that compete now in bodybuilding. These guys are just monsters compared to Arnold. I mean, I, I, I think they look shitty. I, pardon me. I think that I don't like the aesthetic. Yeah, you're like just the classic too physique. Like, Frank natural. Like, yeah, you yeah. Get, if you're watching American Gladiators and you're a kid, you could be like, these are just like, these are like superheroes. They're just like guys that have superpowers. But if you watch some like the body, the bodybuilders now, you're just like absolute freaks. Yeah. They're, they're, and look, there's no, I come, I, I commend them for all the work you got to do. I think the misnomer uh, that everyone, and there's this myth that if you take the bean, you know, that all of a sudden you just get huge. I take more. You get, no, you don't. You got to work. What does it do? Right. It gives you more testosterone, number one, aggression, but two, it allows your body to recover more quickly. Right. So all that damn work you put in, you get more and more results, but that also increases your ability to do a bigger workload, which I think why you see a lot of the huge, huge guys like uh, Ronnie Coleman. Like, rest in peace, we had a gladiator named uh, Billy Smith Thunder who just passed away. These guys, muscles grow so fast that their joints and their ligaments and their tendons can't keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, you see them, they're almost disabled, you know. And and um, you won't say the cause of their death is steroid, but you will say that I think it had something to do with their condition now because they put too much stress too quickly on the body. Um and I think the other funny thing now is, you know, I, I know so many guys who do TRT, you know, testosterone replacement therapy. Are, are, are you on roids? No, nah, man, I'm on TRT. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, well, how much testosterone are you taking? 
200 milligrams a week. That's what the doctor prescribed. Mm -hmm. So they're taking as much as I was back when I played football, back when I did gladiator, you know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just funny. And when you get CRT, you you have to get it done like repeatedly, right? You can't just take one dose of it. At least that's what Billy was telling me. And again, Billy's not a doctor. So I'm just kind of fact checking everything he said. But according to him, if you get it done once, it's kind of something that you kind of sign up for, uh, for maybe the rest of your life. Yes and no. You know, it depends what your goals are, right? I think at a certain age in your certain age in your health cycle, that your testosterone stops producing as much as it used to. You don't produce as much testosterone. Then, -hmm. if you want to supplement that testosterone to get you back into that optimal range, so a guy who's in his fifties, like me, has the same thing as Big Billy there, Mm -hmm. then I will go and supplement with that. What happens is what you're talking about, PFT, is that your body stops producing testosterone when you put testosterone into your body, right? So right. then you have to continue to take it unless you want to go off your cycle, right? And then when you go off your cycle, you're at a testosterone deficit because your body produced so much. And then you have to take uh, post-cycle uh, therapy that stimulates your body to produce testosterone naturally to get you back to that level. That's why you should, I think, minimal dose, minimal effective dosage for prolonged periods of time when you're younger, go off, go back on, go back off on. If that's what you can do as you get older, you know, for me, it's just a, a weekly shot of anywhere between 70 milligrams and 100 milligrams of test. I don't want to look like a guy who's on roids. I just want to have that. And I get my blood work every three months. I want to look like I work out and I train. And um, I think that helps me do that because i'm at the same level hopefully you are yeah okay that makes sense um i'm curious to know what it was like backstage like the relationships that you had with the other gladiators at the time if anything's in the late 80s i always assume that there's cocaine going around i always assume that there's partying not not 90s brother i'm not that old i'm not not your grandfather i thought i thought it was i i thought you guys got started in the late 80s maybe i was wrong on my dates yeah 89 i think the first year was 89 89 to 97 yeah yeah okay so so in that in that time period you guys were stars i mean american gladiators was it was a mainstay on television um i imagine that there were some egos there were certainly some steroids was did you guys all get along as a unit or was there beef between the gladiators that created drama backstage and, and made things kind of uh more than what we saw on television between you all yeah, which you guys saw, Billy, right? And it was just, you know, these people competing, you know, in, in spandex and going for it. And you saw the re- dreams of people who still, competitors, contenders, the dreams of people who still had that dream of being an athlete and were looking for a way to showcase their skills, compete against us. Um, behind the scenes, and I speak for myself, you know, being a 23-year-old guy uh, getting to Hollywood – you know, when, when I first moved to Hollywood, uh, my roommate at that time was uh, Jim Starr, Jim Caliphat Laser, you know, state, a stud from a t- Montana State football, uh, still holds the records for the most tackles you know, in a season for them, was a linebacker. We, we played a strike ball for the Rams together. That's where I met him. And we became fastest and best of friends and roommates. And, uh, um, you know, it was two guys like us in Hollywood in the 90s and i remember when we first got up there to hollywood there was this famous club 
I can't even remember the name of it was so long ago, but it was downtown Hollywood. I think Prince owned it. And it was one of those clubs where they had a cool guy in the glass sunglasses with a clipboard. Mm-hmm. You're right. You, you can't get yep. in. You know, and, and I remember I see all these big guys walking up there. We want to get in. Are you on the list? No, we're not on the list. Okay, hold on. You know, and about an hour later, dude, we're still not in. You know, and uh, are you on the list? We just said no, but you just let those models in, you know, those girls and let us in. I remember we, we were ready. We were like, yeah, we're going to kick your fucking asses. You know, <laughs> we're like, we're going to beat up the bouncers. Like, you know, we were like ready to throw with those guys. Like, we'll kick you out. Let us in. This isn't fair. You can't treat people that way. Yep. You know, and um, it, it went from that to getting in the back door of the Roxbury. You're going to have to look up the Roxbury, Billy, because you probably only know it as a movie. <laughs> There's a movie for Saturday Night Live called The Roxbury. But, you know, the back door is where Stallone got in. It's where Denzel got in. It's where, you know, uh, anybody who was famous got in. So it really, really shifted from a guy looking at the world to having the world look at you. And that's, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you guys have that now for you guys, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, hey, dude, you're so cool. You're so cool. Oh, dude, can I get my picture with you? And, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing, right? Because you're like, I'm just, I'm just a podcaster, bro. Yeah, it is. It's kind of strange. I always say that uh, there's nothing in human evolution until the last maybe hundred years that would prepare your brain for having maybe millions of people know who you are and have opinions on you and that sort of thing. That just didn't exist until mass media, until electricity came out, really. So mm-hmm. maybe you know, maybe Shakespeare, maybe a million people knew who Shakespeare was when he was writing plays. But it was like a very rare occurrence in, in human history for that to happen. And you have to, you almost have to have like, you know, you have to, you mentioned mental health. It's good to talk to somebody as you're going through that because your brain's not really ready for it. And you don't want to wait until it's too late and you've developed all this, you know, all this head trash around, oh shit, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me, that sort of thing. Um, the, our, our biggest problem is uh, people now are buying us shots of Malort. I just moved to Chicago <laughs> and I made the mistake of putting one of those on camera and doing a Malort review. And so now I just, I have a, I have a rule, no more shots of Malort. Can't do any more Malort. I'm sorry. I value my health too much, but yeah, Billy, Billy gets that a lot. Billy gets dudes that just come up to him and want to wrestle. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, you know, talking about that whole phenomenon stuff, like the man in the arena, the gladiator in the arena, you guys were probably some of the first you know, competitors on TV, the personalities were displayed. People sort of felt like they knew you and they saw you competing. You had to deal with loss and winning at a national scale at a very young age. How did you deal with that? Because I recently lost uh, a physical type competition and uh, I, I'm not good with losing just every competitor. Like if you become a great competitor, part of that is hating to lose more than liking to win. And how did you deal with like when you lost and people coming up to you and being famous? Well, I, I got to say, you hit the first of all, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Is you know you don't like losing, and that's what makes people a winner, right? I mean, that's just something we have to ing- get ingrained into our head because I think right now we're in a society where everyone gets a trophy, first or last. You know what I mean? Like, hey, let's give everybody a trophy. And I think you know trophies and accolades are, are should be held for the winners. Because when I was a younger guy and I wasn't starting in high school in football, I remember I looked at that guy who was ahead of me and said, God, one day I'm going to be like him. It gave me something to aspire for, something to shoot for. 
if they would have given me a trophy and I said, hey, you're MVP too, I'd have been like, hey, what do I need to work for? You know, there wouldn't have been that hunger. Um, so I commend you on that. And the second thing, Billy, I, I'm not going to be surprised if people aren't going to start sending you vials of testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> you would love that. Now, now, yeah, yeah, now you mentioned all of a sudden no. you get these little vials coming in there. You don't know what they are. And, you know, you're going you're to grow a second penis. You know, it's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> quick uh quick disclaimer uh, don't try steroids they're dangerous <laughs> i know yeah. uh, so here's my thoughts on that you know I, I again i have the whole book gladiator and, and at that time i the uh, publishers were pressing me a little bit more to say how dangerous steroids are i think for younger people they can be dangerous because your body hasn't completely uh developed the bones haven't completely developed i don't think you even like you know drugs I think are more dangerous. You can't drink till you're 21. I think if you're going to get into anabolics, I think you should wait. And I think now because there's testing protocols in place, it's cheating. I mean, it's cheating. You know, it's not an even play. Maybe the playing field is a little more even, but what we can see with Sky still getting busted with Lance Armstrong 10 years ago, that maybe it's not. So I wouldn't say use steroids, but I think if you're a, a grown man, and you want to keep a certain physique and your testosterone levels are low, then go to your doctor or and get your levels tested and they will supplement it um, if uh, you're on the lower level, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, back to, you know, winning and losing. I hated to lose, you know, and I see it in my stepson now, you know, he's 12 years old. He's the kid, you know, when he was eight, you know, he's playing soccer. If you lost a play match, you go behind the tree and cry, you know? So the one thing I never worry about him, and I teach him how to deal with it now. Like, you know, I, I use Michael Jordan and Kobe a lot, you know, you just smile, you take it in and, you know, in your mind, you're, you're out there saying, you know, good match, but in your mind, you're just thinking, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to kill you, man. I'm going to get you next time, mm-hmm. you know, to have that outward, outward face while you still have that inner animal going on inside. So, you know, for me, I hated to lose. I still hate to lose. You know, even when I, when I started doing CrossFit, I hated to lose. Even now, I'm, if you, I'm a pickleball guy because I don't know if you can see my shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I have a dinking problem. <laughs> I have a dinking problem instead of a drinking problem. And, um, you know, I, I want to win. I'm competitive. But I think you can process it as you get older. And like you, uh, Billy, you know, it was funny because being a gladiator, going to bars and guys, I can beat you. It's like, dude, go sign up for the show. It's a TV show. I'm just here to have a drink. You know what I mean? What do you do, Billy? Do you you throw some guys down or what? No. no, uh, You know, there's too many cell phones nowadays. Everyone's just, you know, getting in trouble. Uh, But that's very funny because, you know, you were a young guy when this was all happening. And now, you know, there's more examples of people. deal. There's more famous people now, which is interesting. Well, what you're saying, I think, is the barrier to becoming famous is a lot lower now. Before, you had to go through the studio system, right? PFT, you had to get a TV show, a movie. You had to get a bunch of yeses before Mm -hmm. you could be on TV. You had to try out for the gladders. You had to work out. The show had to be successful. You had to get a movie deal. Now, you just have your your camera. Mm -hmm. And if you're good at using that, you know, and your voice, you know, through the written word, if you're good at blogging, you can get incredible fame. Look at uh, the Jake Paul. Yeah. Right? I mean, look at the Kardashians. Love him or hate him. How did they get famous with a camera and a sex scene? 
mm-hmm. right? And people bash them, but they took that thing, which has happened to plenty of people, not me, but it's happened to plenty of people, and they parlayed that into a billion-dollar empire. So you have to, whether you like this idea that uh, everybody is chasing fame um, or not, you can see that they and a few other people have done really well at monetizing it, yeah. you know? Mm. But yeah. I, I think I think what's hard is, you know, like we talked about earlier, that what happens when you realize the emptiness of obtaining a false dream? Mm. You know what I mean? Like you get everything you want. And and I know every I know most people listening right now, just let me get some of that. Then I'll be happy. But there's really comes a moment when you get everything you want and um, you know, it doesn't fulfill you in the way that you think. Like, what do you guys want? What would be your pinnacle? What would be your dream? Well, I mean, the, what Are you're you describing done? right now is a Britney Spears song. She's so yeah. lucky, she's a star, but she cries, cries, cries in her lonely heart, or whatever that is. Um, is she a singer? Britney Spears, who's that? Uh, yeah, she no, she's a she's a snake handler. She's a flight she's <laughs> no, a no. flight attendant who's a snake handler. I'm not quite that old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean like, like there there's some truth to it. No matter how big you get in any field, you're still a human being and you still have you know fulfillment issues. If if you're doing something and it's not exactly what you want to be doing, yeah, you're you deal with the same things as everybody else. Loss, desire. Uh, well, what's your what's your dream? Pride. Are you living the dream? Like, if you could say, "This is my dream. This is all my wishes will be fulfilled." I honestly, I am living the dream. I think that I have the best job in the entire world, and I'm I'm exceptionally happy with it. I don't know what else I would want out of my career than than what I have. I I, I think I'd like to do be able to do more writing because that was my first love was uh, was just doing writing and not so much podcasting and video work. But I love those things too. I I would like to have more time to be able to write, but. I can make time for that. Really, the only thing that I that I need or want right now uh, is an El Camino. I think if I get an El Camino, <laughs> then I've got it. I've got it made, baby. I've got it made. I got a house now. I'm out. In, <laughs> I'm out in Chicago. I'm living the real life. I'm not trapped up in a shoebox apartment in New York anymore. If you add an El Camino into this mix, then I'm, there's no turning back for me. I'm I'm on the highway to hell. And I'm That's loving funny. every second of it. So give me an El Camino with a bitchin' sound system, and I don't think I'll ever complain about anything else in my life. Uh, what, what about you? What about you, Billy? That's well, funny. Uh, the thing is, we uh, I, I I still live in a, a small apartment. Um, you know, like I'm young. I'm doing like I like to think I'm on a good track. Uh, so right now, it's more for me. I'm just kind of still growing up in certain ways and just trying to like be an adult, but I still feel like I'm, you know, 17 and it's a little (laughs) bit, you know, we are very, uh, you know, we're well-recognized in our circle, but that that doesn't really correlate. Like, you know, I'm not uh, like, I I can't, you know, I got a truck, which is great. (laughs) Uh, I I love, but like, I'm not really like balling, you know, like a lot of people, let me ask you this. So why does he have a house and you don't? Is there a pay discrepancy? Does he no, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, we don't yeah. need to talk about it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, one last, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Nitro. It was fantastic having you on the show today. <laughs> there's also, he's in a, a truck and you're like in a mansion. <laughs> no, there's, there's a very large talent dis- discrepancy too, which I would more than well say is definitely true. And also, you know, time spent uh, in the, in the, um, 
you know, in the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Field. It, yeah, in the field. In a profession. In the profession of being a shithead with a microphone. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I've got, I got <laughs> a few years. I got a few years experience saying dumb shit online. I've, I've only <laughs> said know, a couple. Yeah. You know, PFT. That's true. The, the gladiators. Hey, look, experience football. Your experience, right? Mm-hmm. Basketball. Your experience, and you're paid. You know, on the scale versus your experiences, right? Yeah. LeBron's getting a hundred million a year, and the guy comes in, he's getting a million. Totally, totally get it. But what's with the El Camino? Uh, I just, it's been a car that I've wanted ever since I was a kid. And I don't know why it's like, it's kind of an ugly truck car combination. Um, It's just, it just rocks. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just been something that I've always wanted. I'm kind of like that. Like when I was growing up, there were certain things that I always wanted that for whatever reason I couldn't get, whether it was a certain type of basketball shoe, my parents were like, oh, I'm not going to spend $140 on a shoe, which I, I understand now in retrospect, but things that you want growing up. And then once you get to the point where you can afford them, it's like, let's just get all the stuff that I really wanted when I was a kid that I couldn't have. And I wanted an El Camino for my first car. It's probably not that safe of a car to drive for your first for your first auto. Um, my parents probably wanted something more along the lines of a minivan, more practical for me. But I mean, the El Camino, <laughs> the El Camino. That's funny. That's a creeper van. Like, you know, right? yeah. <laughs> well, I like put you have spinners a van. on there. Yeah, it was. I, I tricked it out a little bit. I've always... I've always kind of given off El Camino energy, but I just didn't have the car to to truly round you, it out. You, so. had, you, had, you had the van that would probably scare mothers when you're pulling up to take them on a date. He's got a van. Don't go yeah. on the date with PFT. There's a van. Don't yeah, go into the van. That's why I didn't get late in high school. Yeah, it's because of the van. You're right. Now looking back on it, it was nothing else. Um, but the El Camino, it's 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 on my dream board. You know, you have to have things and goals that you aspire to. Yeah. I'm I'm a pretty reasonable guy. My loftiest hope and dream in life is just to buy an El Camino. And I think, I think this conversation has solidified it. Me saying it out loud and verbalizing it. I think, fuck it. I'm just going to get an El Camino. It's going to happen. I'm going to get an El Camino. I'll treat myself. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. You should. It was funny is because uh, in college, I had a CJ7 uh, red Jeep. And that was the best times, man. I would take that Jeep to the beach. We would drive across the border to Mexico. Me and my buddy, Greg Early, have some Coronas in the back. He had a black one. And that's when you could actually drive on the beach. We would you know, bring a couple of uh, like our girlfriends with us. We'd camp out on the beach. And it was just that time. And I eventually sold that car you know, years and years ago. But just recently, I've been looking online at getting a new one. Yeah. But, you know, the same model. But the weird thing is, I think I must have paid $22,000 for a brand new back in 86 or 87. I look now, the used ones are like $38,000, yep. $40,000. So I'm going to try to manifest that like you. CJ7, please. I deserve it. CJ7, someone send it. me one, please. Give me a, a red CJ7 jeep with the top off with a great sound system and then i'm a complete guy you you do deserve it um i i appreciate you joining us i, I thank you for your yeah. time and make sure to go watch muscles and mayhem on netflix it comes out june 28th it's the unauthorized story of american gladiators uh before we let you go i, I do want you to tell us about the time that you knocked a guy out 
when you were was that during the audition process or before you started taping the show that was uh oh man so the the last audition and, and so i'll set this up i had packed my car and i was heading out of la because i was broke i couldn't pay my rent i had packed up my jeep my cj7 jeep and i was heading down the freeway and then i get at my pager yes there was such a thing as a pager it beeps on my thing i pull over i call my agent and he says you got a call back for this 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 thing and i said dude i'm, I'm done and he says look i think it's for real that this they didn't have a name for it it's at the universal studios lot you know i'm like oh it's on the lot i've never been on the lot you know universal studios so I, I turned my car around you know packed to the hilt with everything i i go and i try to get in the gate because my name is everything you can't park that piece of shit filled with stuff on the lot you know go park down there and i'm like oh my god so i run on the lot i run in there and i go in there and they to try out the games they brought these kids in from northridge university cal state northridge and they told these guys that they were testing out a new game show and I think in their mind, since something like American Gladiator has never been on, they're thinking Wheel of Fortune, you know, Jeopardy, the dating game. And they give these kids 40 bucks a day, a brown bag of lunch, and um, they made them go through these drills with us. We're down to the final one, you know, and they're picking people to stay. And they point at me and says, you, you know, go and do this game. And it was um, what became Breakthrough and Conquers, where the guy carries a football, and he has to run 15 yards past you on a, a, a 10 yard wide field. And then they didn't have the field. They just took chalk. They're taking chalk and drawing chalk lines on the concrete floor inside of a sound stage. So they give it to this guy. He must have been 155 pounds soaking wet. This seems they like a bad football the- drill, by the way. I just want to say, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking through the dynamics and, and how you're describing the setup of it. I don't I don't know any way that this drill just doesn't end in in severe injury for the ball carrier. This is just Oklahoma <laughs> drills in a hallway. <laughs> That's what it was. So so they gave this guy the football and they put him 15 yards across from me. They had chalk lines drawn on the on the floor and they tell this guy no gear. No gear. Just the football. <laughs> oh and they and they tell this guy I said, "Hey, run past him." You know, I'm 240. You know, I just got cut from the Rams. And again, this is not just this event. This is my Hollywood dream. I'm trying to keep it alive. And so this guy runs at me. And I could see he was scared, you know. But like, oh, he's not going to really hit me hard. And I got down like in full LT, like, you know, linebacker, linebacker mode, you know. I think I yeah, probably got down to three-point stance. And they blew the whistle. And <laughs> this guy comes running at me. And I'm running at him. You know, I was even at 240, I ran a four six forty i was pretty fast so i run at him and then i just like hit him whoa we both go flying in the air he lands on his back with me on top of him his head hits the concrete the ball spills out and the guy's out cold oh jesus and i'm standing over this guy going oh shit man you know my aggression you know i'm not going to get this job and the next thing i hear you know um uh someone yell Call the paramedics. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And so then I'm standing over there, you know, by myself. And and uh one of the producers, hey, you come over here. And he said, um, I said, Yeah, dude, I said, I'm sorry, sir, I just kind of lost it. And he looks at me, he says, I want you to keep losing it. I said, What? And he said, You got the job, kid. <laughs> and that's that's how I got on American Gladiator. So you know, I want to thank you guys so much, man, for having me on. I've been listening to your show. I'm a big fan. 
Um, and I, I really think what, uh, people will love the docu-series. It's a, it's not one of those, you know, VH1, oh my God, I'm so sad. Oh, look what happened to our lives. It's a glorious, nostalgic romp into the 90s. For you guys who are playing it in your backyard with your brothers or you watched it with your, your grandpa, it's going to bring you right back to that time and put you there, you know, with the music, Buster Rhymes. And it's also, you know, fun. But there is some tragedy. But at the end, it's also triumphant. And again, I hope everyone who watches it is going to say, like that reviewer did, I used to love the show. But now after watching the docuseries, I love it more. Very cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate your time. And yes, it was a fantastic piece of television. I'm very much looking forward to watching the documentary behind the scenes and get to know a little bit more about what you guys went through at the time. But thank you for coming on. And again, you can watch the uh, the documentary Muscles Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American Gladiators premiering June 28th. It's on Netflix. You have Netflix. Just watch, watch the fucking show. It's going to be great. That's I'm putting the PFT stamp of approval on it. Watch the show so that you can love American Gladiators as much as I love American Gladiators. All right, Dan Nitro Clark Nitro. Thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Peace out, boys.